Hi, thanks for listening to Him We Proclaim, the gospel-driven messages of Dr. John Fonville. Over the next two broadcasts, we're going to hear a message called, The Gospel Gives What the Law Demands. And what is that? Well, the gospel gives us a new heart, and the gospel gives obedience of God's law through the Holy Spirit. It's so simple, but so counterintuitive, isn't it? The message comes from our Galatians 3 series called Sons of Abraham. Let's hear part one in The Gospel Gives What the Law Demands. And so Paul is teaching us this. You will never love. And you will never so much as rightly understand a single tenet of the Gospel. You will never come to be surprised and shocked at how good the good news of the Gospel is until you have come to see how utterly undone and fallen you are when the law holds it up to you and says, let me show you your sin. You will look at the Gospel and you'll just yawn and you'll go, okay, next. You understand with the Gospel, there's never a moment when you come to get it where you go, okay, next. The Gospel doesn't create that in you. When you look into the law and you see how far, far short you are from living up to anything God has ever required of you to be, and then you hear that Jesus did it all for you and now you're forgiven through the cross and His resurrection and it's all wiped clean, it's not, oh, okay. You can't help but to run and skip on the beach and jump through the waves and shout at the top of your lungs, praise God. And so Paul says this, the convicting power of the law was never intended to leave a person in utter despair. He says in Romans chapter 10 that Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who will believe. At the end of the law, when it has just done its work of knocking you down and revealing your sin, Jesus is standing at the end of that. So when you're the last domino and your last domino in your life hits and you're flat on your back, guess who's standing right there looking at you with a smile on his face and he says, come. Is that good news? Do you understand that criminals understand the Gospel better than we do? Most of us in this room don't know what it's like to go into a courtroom guilty of a crime and have the judge tell you, stand up with your attorney next to you. Read your sentence. Drop the gavel and you hear it hit his desk and he pronounces you guilty. I've never had that happen to me, but I've sat in on a court case before with a, a church family in North Carolina before I came here. And this guy had committed a heinous crime against their daughter. Heinous crime. And I was sitting there in that court case, and I was scared to death, and I wasn't even guilty. It was an overwhelming feeling of just, oh my goodness, wait. And that judge looked at that young man and he said, rise up. He read him his sentence, dropped the gavel, and they carted him away. The guy collapses. They had to pull him out. 
the mother just falls over in, in the pew or bench or whatever she was sitting you know, on, hysterical. Please don't take my son. Please don't take my son. He's gone forever. That's the law. And could you imagine the judge saying, young man, just stop. And taking it all on himself. Because he says, I'm a perfect judge. I've never, I've never committed a crime. I'm perfect. I was perfect for you. I'm taking your punishment today for you. I'm going to get electrocuted for you tomorrow night. But son, don't worry about it because I'll be back the next day. That's the Gospel. And that brings us to the Gospel. Listen to me very, very carefully. Residing at the heart of Christianity is good news. The great commandment, love God and love your neighbor, which is quoted ad infinitum in church after church, is not the essence of Christianity. It is the essence of the Christian ethic. But the heart of Christianity is at the heart of it lies a gospel. Good news. And so you say, well, what is the Gospel? There's no question more important than that. What is the Gospel? And you'd say, well, that just seems like such a simple thing. Of course I know what the Gospel is. And that is the problem with all of us. There is no of course when it comes to the Gospel. We're learning from Galatians that what is the Gospel is not a simple question. And it is not because the Gospel is hard to understand. It's not a complicated message on one one point of view. It's a simple message. But the problem is this. It is our hearts. And it it is false teaching which is so seductive. Which you see from Galatians. And Galatians 1.6 stands as a chilling reminder to the church at how quickly even believers can abandon the Gospel and begin entertaining a distorted false Gospel. Just like that. And you're going to see why this morning. So you say, well, what is the Gospel? Um, to answer that question, we're just going to go back to, to last week. And the best way to help you to understand what the Gospel is is to compare it to the three characteristics of the law that we looked at last week. Because the Gospel is totally opposite of the law. So here's the first thing about the Gospel. What is the Gospel? The Gospel is divinely revealed. Unlike the law, the Gospel is not in us by nature, and therefore the Gospel does not come natural to us. We saw last week all men, by some degree, have a natural knowledge of the law, but no man has any natural knowledge of the Gospel whatsoever. The Gospel must be revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why every single week before we preach and declare the Word of God to people, we pray, Holy Spirit, come and open up our eyes to see. Open up our ears to hear. 
Open up our mind to understand. Open up our hearts to have affection, to long for these things. Because if you don't work on us and move on us, we won't get it. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, summarized in 15 seconds. Listen to Jesus' response when he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He said to Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The law makes sense to every person because as we saw last week from Romans chapter 2, the law is inscribed on the conscience of every person created because they're made after the image of God. But you know what the Gospel seems like? Just foolishness. Complete and utter foolishness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says, for the word of the cross, the Gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. He says in verse 23, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, listen to what Paul says about the Gospel. And he compares the natural man, which is a fallen man, to a spiritual man, which is a regenerated man who has the Holy Spirit. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. You begin to talk the Gospel to a person who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, and they'll just look at you and think you are from planet Pluto. It says that the Gospel is folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you have no capability whatsoever to get anything about what the Gospel says to you. Though only the Holy Spirit makes the message of the Gospel comprehensible to a person. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, listen to what he says. We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Do you know what? When, when people come to me and say, I just don't have a clue what you're talking about. When we start talking about this gospel-centered, driven life stuff, what are you talking about? Do you understand? I don't expect anybody that I ever speak to to ever get anything I'm talking about. I don't. I don't expect visitors to come to this church and if they don't have the Holy Spirit to understand what I'm talking about. That's why we pray for miracles to occur. We, we believe in miracles in this church. You understand the greatest miracle that could ever happen to a person is for them to come to a church and hear some guy down there talking about law and gospel and reading quotes from a bunch of dead men from 1,500 years ago and going, but he just is an idiot. And then all of a sudden, one Sunday, the light bulb goes off in their mind and their life is changed. That's how it happens. Paul not only says, listen, that the message is foolishness, but he also says in 1 Corinthians that the method accompanying with the message is equally foolish. Preaching is the most foolish thing you could ever think of. Some guy just standing there every week declaring 
that's not powerful. We need to do something to get something. And, and God says, preach the Word. Preach it. Look foolish. The most powerful illustration that you don't get the Gospel is in Luke 24. Just very quickly, in Luke 24, Jesus rose from the dead. And it says right after He rose from the dead, and He started walking down a road. It's the Emmaus Road. There are two disciples. So he started having a conversation. The risen Jesus standing right next to them, in front of them, having a conversation with them. And just please turn very quickly to Luke 24, and I want you to see how dead the human heart is and how necessary it is for a miracle to take place for people to come to understand the Gospel. Luke 24, look at verse 16. Jesus is having a conversation. What is, look what He says in verse 17. What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? He knew what they were talking about. Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It's over. We're finished. Look back at verse 16. Their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. You see that? Now look at verse 31. After Jesus had preached to them the whole Bible, He, he just basically told those guys, uh, guys, the whole Bible is about me. Let me just show you really quick. And He gave them the whole Bible lesson starting with Genesis and He took them to the whole Bible. The whole Old Testament. said, so that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me on every single page of the Old Testament. And then look at verse 31. After He had taught them, their eyes were opened and they recognized Him. <laughs> they were standing in front of the risen Jesus and didn't have a clue who He was. Not a clue until Jesus opened their eyes. That is how fallen we are. The Gospel is not self-evident. The Gospel does not make sense. Religion makes sense. Religion says, I obey and do, therefore I'm accepted. It makes perfect sense to the fallen human heart. Listen to Michael Horton. He says this, we don't need a reporter to announce to us that we need to be better parents, spouses, friends, that we should have integrity in our relationships, to be less selfish and more giving. Give us advice on these matters and we nod. We begin to take notes and resolve to put them into practice next week. Our ears perk up when we hear exhortations to be all we can be. Our self-righteousness springs to His feet when we are told that we have what it takes if we just put the game plan into practice. That's what people are hearing everywhere. That is not the Gospel. The Gospel which announces I am accepted, therefore I obey and do, that is utterly strange and surprising to the whole world. Listen again to Michael Horton. He says, we do not just naturally think that we were born in sin, spiritually dead, helpless, and unable to lift a finger to save ourselves or impress a holy God. As a result, it does not occur to us that our greatest need, our greatest need is to be redeemed, justified, regenerated, sanctified, and glorified by God's saving work in His Son and by His Spirit. The Gospel is never in, of course, 
Precisely. I get it. Yes. Because of our fallen state, listen carefully, because of our fallen state, we are not predisposed to naturally trust in another person's performance for us. Our default tendency is to respond basically like the children of Israel. Moses came down off the mount. He delivers the law to the people. And Exodus 19, 7-8 says this, when Moses said before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Have you ever read uh, past Exodus chapter 19? They didn't do any of it. They didn't keep any of it. <laughs> do you know what they were saying to Moses? Do you know what the fallen heart was saying to Moses? Moses, just tell us what to do and we will do it. That is exactly what the rich young ruler said to Jesus. He came to Jesus and he asked Jesus this question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Do you know what the fallen human heart is doing? It is always looking to do something rather than to believe something for their salvation. Deep in the heart of every person resides a desire to be self-justified. The problem, St. Augustine says, is that every man and woman and child is born into this world like this, curved in on themselves. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And you know what? The Gospel doesn't tell us to do anything. The Gospel calls us to believe in what Christ has done for us. Paul says, to the one who does not work, to the one who doesn't do anything, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is counted as righteousness. Because the Gospel is counterintuitive, surprising, and highly offensive, it has to be revealed. Second characteristic about the Gospel. What is the Gospel? The Gospel is an announcement of good news. The law is not news. The Gospel, listen, is an announcement of good news. How many of you get the Panavidra Recorder? Anybody get the Panavidra Recorder? Okay. It's a terrible newspaper. But... On the front page of the Panavidra Recorder on Good Friday, guess what the big front news headline was? Full page ad. God is dead. Sponsored and brought to you by the Jacksonville and the North Jacksonville Association of Atheists. Let me tell you some good news, Panavidra. God is dead. Boy, that makes me feel good. Just makes me want to run and skip and whistle and sing with the birds. The Gospel is like a front page newspaper ad that says, Hear ye, hear ye, 
Jesus is alive. It is news. It is an announcement. The word gospel itself means this, strictly speaking, an announcement of good news. Joyful tidings. Joy. Happy. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11 summarizes for you the major voice of the gospel. What is the major tenet, the major proposition of the good news? Listen. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. Listen to the first words. And when you listen to these first words, think about a judge who just slammed his gavel and sentenced you to execution. Fear not. <laughs> You are walking to your execution and the first thing you hear from the judge of the universe is fear not. What do you mean fear not? Fear not. For behold, I bring you gospel, good news of great joy that will be for all the people what is this good news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. All you marching to your death and your execution, there is a Savior, Christ the Lord. Don't fear. You don't have to keep going. Stop and listen and read the front page good news article. Jesus is alive and He's a Savior and He's here for you. And so the Gospel, listen very carefully, the Gospel commands nothing. The Gospel announces a staggering, life, earthquake-shaking, joyful, good message of free salvation to condemned, guilty sinners. That is such good news when you feel the weight crumbling on you from the law. You are guilty. Guilty. And then God speaks to you. Fear not. That is such good news. And so Michael Horton, he says, it's very interesting that the biblical writers would choose the word gospel to speak about the work of Christ. Listen to what he says. The heart of most religions is good advice, good techniques, good programs, good ideas, good support systems. These drive us deeper into ourselves to find our inner light, inner goodness, inner voice, or inner resources. Nothing new, nothing new can be found inside of us. There's no inner rescue deep down in my soul. I just hear echoes of my own voice telling me all sorts of crazy things to numb my sense of fear, anxiety, and boredom. The origins of which I cannot truly identify. But the heart of Christianity is good news. It comes not as a task for us to fulfill, a mission for us to accomplish, a game plan for us to follow with the help of life coaches, but as a report that someone else has already fulfilled 
accomplished, followed, and achieved everything for us. It is about God and His faithfulness to His own purposes and promises. That's what Paul's talking about in Galatians 3 here. The nature of the Gospel is a free promise of life and salvation through faith in Christ alone. Do you know what the Gospel says? This is what the Gospel announces. Listen, live, fear not, for all is already done. So what is this good news announced by the Gospel? Well, looking here in the context of Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse because you can't keep the law, so you're cursed. If you're cursed, what is the best thing you could have? A reversal of that good news. And so the good news is that part of the good news, this isn't the whole good news, but this is the core of it. Part of the good news is the fact that Jesus in His life, death, and resurrection has removed the curse of the law from us forever and in its place given life. Thanks, John. The message you just heard is called The Gospel Gives What the Law Demands, Part 1. More from the Sons of Abraham series is coming up next time. The mission of Him We Proclaim is to bring you the gospel of good news each weekday. And it's our prayer that your heart will be filled with joy and a clear understanding of the gospel and God's word. If you want to hear a past broadcast, check out our podcast in iTunes or download our app. Just search for Dr. John Fonville in iTunes or Google Play. Him We Proclaim is a broadcast of Dr. John Fonville. If you would like to visit Pastor John's church in Jacksonville, Florida, you're always welcome. You can find out more at ParamountChurch.com. I'm Josh Montez. Thanks for listening and join us next time.